everybody, and welcome back to the final episode of season two of the Net of Love podcast. I am here with my dear, dear, dear friend, Rob. And Rob, I'm going to miss talking to you every month, so we're going to have to schedule something so we get yeah, that in. Uh, we have to do something again because I love the collaboration. I love the discussion. I love where I go with my life after the discussion. Aww. So. Yeah, me too. It just feels so good. We're we're in a beautiful resonance. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a bit, in just a minute. So today we decided we're going to put all the last three principles of the universe that Kabbalion talks about in one podcast because a lot of this is repetitive and each one kind of overlaps or is um part of the other, which is part of the multidimensionality of our reality, but also how everything it ebbs and flows within each other, kind of like nesting dolls. That's how I like to explain multidimensionality. Those little oh Russian God. dolls, you'd put one inside the other. Yes, so I like it. Yeah, they're all connected. So the first one we're going to talk about is the principle of rhythm. And then the next one is the principle of cause and effect, which, you know, isn't that hard to explain, but we're going to kind of delve into that in a different way, maybe. And then the principle of gender. And we've already touched upon the principle of gender when you hear me talk about divine masculine, divine feminine, and it is an aspect of polarity. So we're going to get a little deeper into that as well. And first, I just wanted to talk about Rob. I sent him a message a couple hours ago, and I was listening to some of the Kabbalion again, just preparing for this. And I said, you know, got some dissonance here, and I'm trying to feel into it. It doesn't feel good, and I don't like it. And I Try not to be judgy, but what is this about? And he actually came across the same thing at the same time when we were doing this separately, um, but clearly telepathically <laughs> together. So one of the aspects they talk about is uh, the mastery. And I was kind of feeling this like power over type mastery, like, you know, they're maybe judging more lower states of consciousness and it's not lower or higher. It's just different. Um, expressions of frequency, if that makes sense, consciousness, it doesn't, one doesn't have to be bad or, or worse. And when we're multidimensional, we understand we're both at the same time. So Rob, what was your feeling on that? I always talk about, it's about personal sovereignty mastery. It's never about power over. It's actually about coming back to self-love. So you're not being dictated by the swing of the pendulum and the moods and all that kind of stuff. What do you think about that? Right. So, you know, We've heard we we've heard often of us you know talking about mastery of principles metaphysical or otherwise, and it wasn't until I kind of reviewed for this you know this episode um, not the principles themselves but how the principles were described and the analogies that were used and the words master of of these principles really evoked some very specific imageries um uh i think i've got the sentence up the masters rising to the plane above dominate their moods masters dominate their moods characters qualities and powers as well as the environment surrounding them they become movers instead of pawns so they've created this chess game uh analogy that um implies that some of the world is a pawn and some of the world, uh, you know, are masters. Like and, the sheep and shepherds kind of yeah. analogy. Yeah, yeah. And I choose to know that everybody is the master that is un that has yet to discover it within themselves. So because 
the implication is that you've been a sucker all your life to not see that you can control your environment. And while I understand what they're trying to do is make us aware that we have much more power than we may think we do, that we don't have to be uh, subject to the, the, the incidents that happen in the world. But I think they lose me in thinking that there's a hierarchy of uh, accessibility to this mastery and that it has to involve in some way uh, you know the, the 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 mastery has to be at the expense of the pawn right so, and i think it comes back to some of the things of the meek shall inherit the earth um some of the things that yeshua said you will do what i do and more and i think part of the problem has been and it's not a blaming of anybody it was just the consciousness of humanity is not everybody was given access to this information. There was kind of an, I, I want to go as far as to say a, a bit of an elitist mentality with who could have access to this. Yeah, specifically material. with Hermes. Right. I mean, the, I mean, right. that you were initiated into it. You did have to jump through hoops to make sure yeah. that you were, you were pure enough to receive this information, which you know, that's the one part that I've always felt like, I don't get that. If this is the, if this is the information that can help the universe and humanity, we would want everyone to know it. So, yeah. I mean, I, I go as far as to say, um, my friend purchased a church and it's, it's, a, it's modeled after the tree of life, the Kabbalah, you can actually see the symbolism in it. It's really beautiful. And at the back of the church is an area that is, um, it's kind of like an oval and it's gated off from the rest of the church and only the minister could be up there. And one of the things that we did, and this is, you know, this is some of the transition since 2012. And I'm not saying that people actually could have even handled some of this information back then. And I think that's why it was protected. It wasn't necessarily to harm or to keep certain people down. I don't think people had the consciousness to be able to um, safely ascend into it because it has to do with frequencies and understanding that. And it's, you know, taking responsibility for your life in such a way is very profound. Yeah, it's it not is. an easy thing. And it requires, you know, it requires uh, a commitment, a profound commitment. But yeah, I think we we're there face, now. As with all this now, I mean, still that, that responsibility is hard. What it is the kind of thing that the more you know, the burden gets greater to actually know that you do have that responsibility. So you're probably right. It just, yeah. And, and to, to hold those parsing it out to people. Right, right. So there, you know, it's not that black and white and I, it's not about judging, but I think the beautiful part of this church that I'm talking about is we, we, we talked and it's her beautiful brilliance about opening the gate and allowing people to go directly there first when they walk in. And, you know, there's this sense of, am I worthy? Am I worthy to stand back here? You know, am I worthy to actually be able to have my own direct divine source connection and not go through somebody else? So there's a lot of pieces to this that are evolving as humanity evolves and as the knowledge comes out, the ancient knowledge. And the beautiful part about the Kabbalion is it the three initiates didn't create the Kabbalion. This is ancient, ancient, ancient wisdom from Egypt, from the land of Chem. That's where that word alchemy comes from, Chem alchemical transmutation and really what we're going to talk about today with these last three principles is how do we alchemize 
when the pendulum is shifting us back and forth to these polarities. And the first principle is the principle of rhythm. And when you think of like a heart monitor, and this is all about waves and vibration we've talked about, when you think about a heart monitor, the rhythm has to do with where it's going up and where it's going down, right? So you tend to come into a rhythm when it's going up at the same pace and it's going down at the same pace, right? Or the rhythm might change to be a little bit of a shorter wave. So that's the actual rhythm. So basically what this is saying is what comes up will equally come down. What goes right on a pendulum will equally go left. So we are in these, you know, we talk about bipolarity and bipolar disorder. You tend to see that very profoundly, right? Um, these extreme highs and these extreme lows, that's where this comes from. It's actually an aspect of nature. And the Kabbalion talks about that it's in, in the mental mind as well as the physical plane as well. It's in, it's in all these planes, these vibratory states that take us up and down like a roller coaster ride. And for some people, life can feel like a roller coaster ride. So these principles are very much kind of more of that Newtonian physics of getting into, you know, the cause and effect one of how far you pull back um, on what's that thing called, Rob, that toy where you pull it back, uh, can't think of it right now. And then it goes like a bungee, right? Oh, yes. And yes. What is that called? Like, uh, slingshot. Thank you. I couldn't get it. How far you pull back on the slingshot is the cause. And then the effect is how far it goes. Right. So these are, these are basic Newton's third law of physics, right? Um, every action has equal opposite reaction. So the whole point of these last three, and then the other one being the uh, principle of gender is to understand them so that you can transcend them. So it's really designed to give you a sense of how to understand that fourth, lower fourth dimensional plane of polarity to rise above it, to transcend it. Yeah, and I think to to emphasize that, I mean, with rhythm, if we start with rhythm, you know, the cyclical nature of life, you know, you know, the, the ebb and flow of the tide and this, you know, the, again, the back and forth swing of the pendulum. Um, the understanding that our choice comes from how we manage these principles. So if we find ourselves, for instance, in a, in a place where we, we were just talking before we, we started uh, recording, um, the, the fact that I, I can gravitate toward dramatic situations. I'm a drama queen. And that means that I can see every, you know, I have the potential to see many situations that do not require the amount of drama that I might bring to it as highly dramatic. So my swing is going to be like, I'm good. I can, I can take the smallest thing and put it as dramatically as possible. That you know, we're taking a big stroke with all the things that um, I am uh, worrying about or, or focusing on in this dramatic issue. But if I decide that that swing is a little much for me. If it's a little overwhelming or nauseating or, 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 um, you know, pushes me to limits to look at this experience of life in this big dramatic way, I can move myself up the pendulum so that when the pendulum swings, the, the space between each of those two poles gets smaller and smaller. 
and it is a, a matter of choice. I mean, I don't, I don't, some people wouldn't want to be, I don't want to be up at the top where nothing seems to move me either way. I do enjoy the, 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 experience of knowing the difference between the seasons hot and cold as examples um so that i can appreciate each one of them so somewhere centrally located on that pendulum so i can swing and enjoy this and enjoy this but it is our choice to do that when we realize that we can so right and the it's like a difference between a tidal wave and a calm beautiful sea by the beach right <laughs> We know the difference. We feel the difference. So what the Kabbalion is saying is that if you're going to be, um, if you're going to experience this extremely high state of enjoyment, get prepared because you're also going to then follow it by an extreme state of despair or suffering. And I don't know that I necessarily agree with it to that black and white. I think that's a very dualistic way of thinking about it. But I think it just demonstrates, it illustrates the point and the exaggeration illustrates the point that one of the ways that we transcend this natural rhythm is through neutrality. Like Rob said, you, you know, the, the pendulum swing is bringing it closer to center. So it's not swinging so far and so right, so right and so left. And then you're probably not going to experience extremely high states of joy or extreme suffering. You're going to be, you know, the mediocrity, um, doing things in moderation is what feels good, right? It's it's no different than, you know, alcoholism and, and binging all night and then having a really intense hangover. <laughs> it's no different than, um, you know, these states that are more unnatural, we tend to, that when we rely on things that are unnatural, we tend to have that pendulum swing even more. So it's something to be mindful of with your health, that if you are dependent on, on things like that for, for your joy, you probably are going to feel those pendulum swings a lot more intensely. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and also to realize, to realize that, you know, I, I have never been a moderation kind of person. So it just even, uh, I, I think I am, but in the end, like my, my natural tendency is to just indulge in whatever I love the most. And so that could mean that I have been something. And as long as I'm aware of the choice that I made in the process, you know, I can evaluate. I mean, just thinking about younger days of, of partying and binging and knowing that when I knew what I was doing, let's say, and I could go to a party and get, you know, really kind of trashed and have a really good time and wake up and have that hangover, have that post experience that might feel devastating, but to have controlled my response to it along the way and to be able to decide, okay, this in this case, this was worth it because I was in control. I knew what I was doing and I can regroup because I knew what was happening. I didn't like lose my control of the situation was I knew what I was getting into when I did it. I didn't allow myself to be swept up in it. Um, and it was a choice. And I so I couldn't walk around and act like, well, it was me that I feel this way or right. which is different than alcoholism for sure. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And Extreme. and you know, I mean, just more kind of like bathing ourselves or indulging. I'm a sensual person. I mean, I I love you know being highly stimulated. So you know, that could mean going to a movie where I'm getting as much you know kind of you know eye candy that I can, but just knowing that um, that if it's a choice that I'm making that I know that I'm making that I'm then that 
then it is more comforting and I've taken responsibility for that choice and not blame the pendulum. Like, no, no, I got on the pendulum on this low rung, so I know that the pendulum's gonna be swinging high. It's like when you go onto that ride, which I cannot ride at the park, at the pirate ship, and you sit <laughs> yes. last boat, you know you are going and you are going strong. Yeah. Which is terrifying. So yeah. um and I'm like you, I love speed. I love roller coasters. I love all that. And I think one of the pieces of wisdom that this book gives is that this isn't about becoming blah or boring, right? This right. is about understanding these causes in the lower dimensions and rising above them as they're, as they're operating in the lower dimensions from a higher dimension. So basically what that means is that say you have a really ecstatic high meditation experience i have those quite often and i feel like profound heart openings and profound joy and there are days where i'm just you know walking in my life and i'm just in ecstatic joy and i love it and it's one of those things to understand it's kind of like the moon and the cycles of the moon yes. that she this, she's going to be full at one point and there's going to be a new moon at one point and we know how that influences the energies on the planet and water and what they're saying is that, especially if you have a daily meditation practice, this makes it a lot easier, is that the pendulum swing in a, in a higher state of consciousness where you're in neutrality and you've transcended the duality and you're not in the duality dramas that Rob was talking about, you become like the higher self looking down on it and it going underneath you. And you're, and they talk about it like in the subconscious, the waves actually moving and you rise above the wave. So it's, I wanted to share an example of this and what this would look like. Um, this probably isn't the very best example, but I can explain it with this picture. And a dear, dear love, um, her name is Alberta Hutchinson, painted these uh, quite some time ago. And just to demonstrate this, if you look at the Buddha, looking down at the wave below rob can you see my pointer on the I screen can, yes awesome okay so if you look down at that if you imagine yourself as this little tiny person down here and your life is just going through with these waves right here comes the full moon and everybody's crazy and you're just kind of not conscious to those things happening or the energy is moving you're kind of going to feel like life's a roller coaster but if you have a meditation practice every day, you can be down here, but you can also be up here. It's kind of like um, I'll do meditations with groups and we'll kind of feel like we're Green Tara, who is the Bodhisattva of compassion and loving kindness and love and really embodied that self-love. Um, and she's sitting on this lotus throne here for example, and she's kind of flying up through the higher planes, um, really free, not not kind of a slave to the waves. Um, so she's in this free thing. And, and there's the way that we can do this where we can embody the higher self and kind of just watch that other part of ourself that might be going into the drama to say, no, I'm going to, I am going to influence it from here. It's taking your power back, your sovereignty back. So it's saying, um, one of my clients phenomenally says, <laughs> especially if you're going into shame or guilt or um, anger or fear, and she, she feels that coming on, she'll say, we don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. One of the mindfulness techniques that I'll use, being the watcher of the thought, not just the one that goes with every thought that comes in, <clears throat> I'll say, why would I choose to harm myself with that thought? I'm not going to do that. Um, and one of the techniques 
that the um, Kabbalion gives is the technique to be able to see it from the perspective of the watcher and the master, the mastery over the lower realms because you have this new mindful conscious awareness. And one of my favorite axioms from hermeticism is know thyself. So a lot of us get stuck on these repeating loops that happen with the same traumas and the same triggers and, da, 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 and the same drama. And the more we know where we're triggered, the more we can rise above to no longer follow those rabbit holes anymore. So I love that image for showing the bilocation of being the higher self in the higher planes, but also being your daily personality in the lower planes. And neither is wrong or bad. And I want to be very clear about that because there's a lot of judgment sometimes when you're starting a spiritual journey or you're having a day in the yuck, right? It's not, it's not a bad thing to, you know, feel those waves. It's just, there's this higher mastery that's possible when we begin to know thyself. Yeah. I love that point. And, um, I think it's the difference between, uh, the, the Buddhist concept of mastery, which is again, agency and sovereignty over our response to the world uh neutrality reaction yeah. right um versus i mean you did show me a great picture where you know if uh let me there's a cause and effect one you're talking about yes let so, me pull that um, one up next but <laughs> go for it you know this is how this is this was my visceral reaction to the way that the Kabayan described this mastery of of the cause and effect, which is, you know, when you're aware you you are controlling your life, your life is not controlling you. And so, I mean, in this picture that you see, you see how this concept of this heavy handed uh, domination of of ourself it, you know, it gets passed down. So boss yells at husband, husband yells at wife, wife yells at kid, kid yells at kitty. And I mean, talk about cyclical and talk about rhythmic. You've just engaged in this rhythm that only positive right, repeats <laughs> itself as, as generations go on. And uh, which I just think is so beautifully illustrated with those great um, kind of old time pictures like Dick and Jane mm. pictures. Um, so clearly somebody was thinking about this then, if this is not new artwork, but, um, yeah, yeah, I just, I, I want to think of my mastery as not being one where I'm dominating, but that I am working, uh, organically and in, in tandem with my world around me that does not require me to be, uh, a master chess player or a mover or a game player, which, you know, Playing the game is is a concept that they mentioned in this book as well. You know, Florence Scovelshin, you know, called her, you know, her principle and her idea, you know, playing the game of life. I like, the, I do like the idea of us playing, you know, whimsically like children, but not masterfully as a, as a strategist necessarily. So. Yeah. And it, it goes back to the, um, the, this concept where, you know, they give at the end of the Kabbalion, they talk about some of the axioms. And one of them is to change your mood or mental state, change your vibration. And it's true. It's energy. It's energy. And your thoughts are energy too. And one of the, uh, in modern psychology, one of the best therapies that works with children is cognitive behavioral therapy. And it goes back to all is mind. It goes back to the thought 
and it teaches and adults or children, it teaches you to go back that thoughts are the creation of emotions and circumstances. And if we can go back to the thoughts, then we can shift the frequency of that thought. And one of the ways it talks about doing this in the book, and this is the alchemy that happens, but you can talk about it all day long. It's in the moment. We've talked about this throughout that podcast. It's in the moment. So if you're having a fear moment, it is that mindful mastery to say, I feel this energy. This energy doesn't feel very good. I feel this vibration here, this frequency happening within me. It doesn't feel very good. What is the thought that I'm having that caused me to feel that way? And often it has to do with a fear or shame, you know, all those pieces that are lower thought forms. And when we can alchemize it, we would then say, no, I don't have anything to be afraid of. This is not rational. This is what I want to feel instead. This is what I want to see happen instead. So they talk about um, really feeling courage. Wizard of Oz, I knew was going to come in today. It's the cowardly lion. And then the courage comes in. That's the alchemy that happens, right? Or the scarecrow. I don't have any brains. I'm not smart enough. What are you talking about? Why would you, you know what I mean? There, turn it around. You are smart enough. Where does, where does that come from? The, the, those states of being more in that victimhood versus taking, this is where they said, you know, taking your power back, personal sovereignty for your relationship with self, not about dominating others or moving chess pieces on the board, but healing that separation within so that you're no longer playing it out in the outer relationships. And then you're not that guy at the desk screaming across the desk. You knew how to take a deep breath and alchemize your thought forms. So you're keeping relationships that are working in, in your organization and morale is high in your organization. And you are having the cause and effect of love coming back and forth. That's a whole different dynamic. Yeah, I agree. And I think cause and effect becomes you know, uh, our ability, and I think they were making this point in the book to realize when we can be the cause and when we are the effect, but the fact is we are both at all times. So, you know, the effect is the cause, which is the effect, which is the cause. And I think this is how, um, I think this is the best way to view what most of us like to think of in the most basic, you know, kind of mainstream way of karma. And so we are always thinking about the karmic payback of whatever hurt us, whether we were cut off in a car or whether our friend betrayed us and we sit there and become wrapped up in um, uh, what a karmic debt might be to, uh, for an action that somebody else has taken or that we take. And for me, it's always been, I, I feel like that's, we focus too much on, um, on this idea of this, sorry, this nebulous idea of karma, but instead, if we see it as cause and effect, which is whatever I do now is going to have an effect that I may or may not see. And, and it, that step back in that moment is that opportunity to choose differently. And the challenging parts can come when, uh, in that moment, um, we think we have to make a leap. So if we're in a fear-based moment, we think we have to jump from point A to point, or point Z to point A. And, you know, people that have channeled like Esther Hicks and Abraham, 
uh, you know, say you can't make that leap that way. But what you can do is, is change that vibration to the next vibration up. So if I'm feeling despair, I can move myself to feeling sadness. And that can be done just by pulling myself in some way, by distracting myself out of the despair thought to find something that, uh, that makes me realize, oh, well, this wasn't so bad. I can be sad about this. And then you work your way up sadness to, you know, annoyance from annoyance to, to, uh, whatever, till we get to that point where we're feeling joy. I, uh, last week I heard an interview with, which has now had me down a rabbit hole of, um, this author and psychologist, Dacker Kellner, who currently uh, is the host of a podcast called The Science of Happiness, and he just published a book about awe and um, his findings that our moments of awe in the world uh, our, are not only spiritually enriching in the way that we're talking about here, but in fact, now science is starting to prove that these things are affecting us physically. Mm -hmm. And in responding to moments where we are not feeling aligned or connected or feeling fear-based or, or, or bereft of, of hope that we can choose moments of awe. We can say, I'm going to go on an awe walk and I'm going to notice what inspires me or what I know, what beyond me seems just so utterly beautiful and, and beyond me and, uh, and serves as kind of a creative a boost for me. And this has resonated so deeply with me because I find myself able to kind of be very cynical from feeling worldly and feeling like I was older before my age. But at the same time, I do completely have wonder and awe at the world. You know, I still trip out on things that are so wonderful that I can't even believe that they exist. And I'm so grateful for that. And so I think that choosing awe, because that's where I am in, in my thematic week, um, is a way to become cause to an effect that is desirable for ourselves. So, you know, if I go to see awe, if I choose awe in my kids or, or the mountainside or whatever, um, or in myself, it's something that I've done for myself, then I have become, you know, then the effect of that is far reaching. I changed myself. I'm open to helping others. I'm there to, for others in a way that I wouldn't have been while I was focused on my own thing. So, you know, I think awe is a key, wonder and awe. And the trick is, it's easy to say, right? You and I know that. It's easy totally. to say, but the trick is to catch it in the moment. So if you're feeling constricted and your body feels tight and you feel scared or worried or sad or blah, 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 it's the recognition of that is where we take our power back. If we can catch it in that moment. And there are some days where you just want to go through it and you feel you just need to. But if we can catch it in that moment and then say, I'm going to go out for a walk. I want to feel nature. Um, and, and getting these, um, I always say it's our relationship with Gaia, our outer reality. So she loves us. Like we ask for help. She'll bring it. Like, I, I don't understand why I'm feeling this way. I need help. Right. Um, I will literally have on my screen, go outside for a walk, come in <laughs> things like that. And that's where the synchronicities come in when we transcend our consciousness to come out of these lower states. So we're at this higher vibration. We manifest very quickly. I literally had 
um, somebody text me and say, want to go outside for a walk when I was reading, go outside on the sheet. And it was like, okay, I don't, if I surrender, like it's all there, the help that I need. Like, I don't know why I need to fight it. And that's that control, right? That's the, uh, that man in that picture pointing his finger. Don't you do that? Like that's the need to control because the ego doesn't feel safe. So when we surrender control to, um, I th- feel good. You follow him too. I, I shared his video the other day. He was talking about that. He, he demonstrated this so beautifully the other day that the, it's the surrendered response of being embodying that higher self, knowing that things just naturally will work out when we are not holding those lower frequencies and thought forms in our being, they're creating this dissonance and the, yuck and the, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I agree with the concept of rhythm and the polarity swings and all that, but that once we transcend that Newtonian physics and understand quantum and that we are conscious creators, um, impacting the energy and the energy is impacting us. We can, we can really get to this more ascended view of what we are in this creation. And it's really beautiful. And it's not about power over, it's about love. It's about a love relationship with self, a love relationship with Gaia, and this beautiful infinity flow back and forth that does not feel so pendulum swingy, if that makes sense. You know, and and the pendulum swingy also comes from kind of a presentation of um, the visual presentation or explanation of these planes of existence in the Kabbalion. Also, again, since we are in our uh, our third episode and we are kind of deconstructing to reconstruct, the hierarchical idea of these principles or of the planes reinforces this idea that um, that there's a place to look down to from a place on high and i loved again before we started here when you talked about this idea that it's you know it's it's an the universe is nested it's not i'm not looking down on any part of me but i am looking sideways at other aspects of me or i'm looking inwardly and outwardly rather than feeling like i am um looking i think this 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 hierarchy this this literally looking up and down reinforces this idea that i'm a I'm better because I've, I'm thinking of transcendence as an, as an expansion. Yes. Not a hierarchy. As a, as a floating into the sky, which is hard. You know, I even have to catch myself then, but, but transcendence really does mean the surrender that you just said, like this feeling that I am now one with it all, which ironically is where the real power comes. Like we think we're holding onto power when we try to control but the real power comes from we can surrender. That's when we've really right. said, I trust, which means I hold the agency and the sovereignty. And that's when things come in naturally, when we're not grasping so tightly. It's they just fall in our lap. That's true power of, you know, just just thinking about it and all of a sudden it's there because you're not holding this frequency of lack and survival. Um it's it's beautiful. And I, I think the Kabbalion really is about understanding the lower realms so you can transcend them, so you can master them. And it's the one thing that they don't really get into in the Kabbalion, which, you know, I think deserves about 40 chapters and the rest seven, 
<laughs> is love and the power of love and the way we relate to self. It's so important. I mean, this is all about how we relate to self, about mastering the self. But um, love is the greatest component of this through all the dimensions and planes of reality. I don't know if I talked about this in my this podcast. I might have talked about it another season, but in case somebody didn't hear it or um, just to br bring that home again, um, several years ago, uh, I did a shamanic journey and I met uh, my black and white tiger. And it, he was really teaching me how to transcend duality, black and white, right? There it is. And it was a divine masculine aspect. And I remember at one point having a dream and I saw him in the sky and he was huge. And next to him was this woman and she was like ancient and shamanic and powerful. And wow, I couldn't believe her, right? She was awesome. And I, I, I was in the dream and I'm like, who's that with my tiger? Like, I want, you know, the ego comes in and the fear, like who's, you know, the attachment and the ownership, who's that with my tiger? And then I realized it didn't take long because my higher self was helping me here. It was me. It was a higher aspect of me that um, can see things from that 10,000 foot view without getting into the duality drama of extreme right and wrong of attachment and unattachment and lack and gain and all that, all those places we go to in duality. So when we learn to transcend that through being neutral, it's also this kind of feeling like being a pillar, if that makes sense. And if you can use this in meditation, like viewing yourself as a pillar, like almost like, you know, the eye of the needle, the eye of the hurricane, and you, nothing can sway that nothing can move that because you're so firmly grounded into your reality and connected to the heavens that you have such a profound trust in your reality because of being that pillar and you're holding duality on both sides. You're not, you're not swinging too far, swinging too left. And there's actual polarity therapy, polarity therapists that will help shift you, the, shift the energies in your body through energy healing. And I will do that um, sometimes with clients and I'll see the energies are really unbalanced um, and that can be shifted and moved. It's all energy, it's vibration. So the um, that aspect, which to change your mood or mental state, change your vibration, once you've understood that and mastered that, you'll change your whole life profoundly. Yeah. And I think that it can be as simple as realizing when your vibration is when you do yes. it naturally. So, you know, it could be as easy as putting on a, your favorite piece of music that takes you and makes you transcend or mm -hmm. that, you know, whatever brings chills to you. Uh, you know, we, I think we do naturally reach out for these things when we don't necessarily think about it but there's then there's the next level of you know as you said before recognizing the moment when you're in it and saying okay i'm spiraling or i'm triggered in some way again feel good who always is so good with the triggering because you know his his whole philosophy is about being that pillar it's not about saying um you can't hurt me if I am, when I know myself, when I know thyself, when I'm not triggered. What he's saying is I cannot be hurt when I know myself, when I am not triggered. So it's, it, it still forces us or strongly encourages us to, to stop thinking about the world hurting us. 
I know it's important when we are talking about our, you know, kind of universal mental health and people need to, to express the hurts or the traumas that have happened in their lives. But when we can change within us, not even when we're talking with other people, not that, you know, you've hurt me, but that I was hurt when it allows us what you've just been saying, that opportunity to, to be the, to be the watcher of the thought and say, huh, I was hurt here. And yes, I was hurt by something that you said or something that you did or something that happened. But in the end, it's really about what can I do to realize that I, I'm not hurt, that I'm really not hurt by it. Like that I have power over this, that, that your what you think about me is not my business or what has happened here is the way that it is. And I'm only hurt if I say that I'm hurt. So, you know, I know at home, our arguments become a, we can't say you hurt me when I'm arguing with my husband, because the one, one of us is going to say, no, I didn't. And you know that I did not. Now, did I attempt to do it or did I, that's on me. Can I reflect in those moments? But, but I know in my heart that I am only triggered when I haven't dealt with what is triggering me. I'm not, I can't expect you to stop. I can't expect the world to stop triggering me. It's going to come for me. Whether they're intending to or not, that's the right. most powerful part of it. Like that, right. that guy yelling at that person across the desk, that person across the desk has no idea what the heck's wrong with him. Right. right. What did I do? I don't even know what I did. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that comes back to self-love, to self-love. It does. And, and understanding that, you know, when we're triggered, it's usually because of trauma, societal trauma, familial trauma, um, and not everybody has the same triggers. Uh, we have the same needs to belong and to feel connected to groups and our society and our communities, but we, everybody has different triggers. So what might trigger somebody might shock you compared to what triggers you too. So um, the more we have that compassion for ourselves, we can have it for others. We're all on this roller coaster ride. Right. I mean, <laughs> roller and the coaster we... of the yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, and just realizing that when we are triggered, that it is that. I mean, so if if we're wondering if you know if we're using as the as kind of a go to uh, solution to you know those moments where we're feeling angry or fearful or whatever, you know, that, the that triggering moment is the great place to start because it means that something in me feels misaligned and my tendency is going to be to blame whatever is external to me for that trigger. But I have the power to acknowledge that something might be traumatic or triggering for me, but also to acknowledge that I can change the story in this moment if I choose. So, you know, I can say and then see clearly, yes, this might have caused me trauma in the past. And yes, I can see it and respect it and understand it. But in this moment, I choose not to be triggered. I choose not to make that my story from this moment forward because now I know better. It's a, that is a daily practice. Like that is, mm -hmm. does not come easy to any of us because that's not how we were raised. But one day those triggers disappear when, the more you work on it. And then you don't even remember what you don't even remember having them. Some of them, right? Because we you don't know that amazing. You, you don't know that you're not triggered because you're not triggered. Like right, right. It's gone now. You've shifted it completely. Yeah. And, and I think I think the big things here 
for helping people with techniques are meditation. That's the biggest one because the more you can go into that nothingness, then you're not riding the waves of the thought forms and you're you're coming into that neutrality and that balance and that pillar. And the more we can um, find, recognize, feel it, feel it, feel the feels. But what was the trigger? What was the thought? That's that cognitive behavioral therapy I was talking about in the beginning. What was the thought that caused you to go down there? Because I don't think you want to go down there all the time. It doesn't feel good waving your finger at people or yelling at people and all that good stuff. It doesn't feel good. It's an it's an act of being in separation with yourself, really. Um, and then, like you said, find those moments. If you can recognize that it happened, go find your awe. Go go do what makes you feel good to get that get that up and spiral out of that. Um, but sometimes we do need to sit in it. Sometimes we need to float on that little floaty in the wave and Absolutely. just go into it and figure it out and feel it out. Um, especially women with their cycles. We've talked about choice. You could very yeah. easily say, you know what? I feel like crap. I'm going to set a timer and feel like <laughs> crap for 10 more minutes because, <laughs> you know, it is a hard catch. It is a hard, uh, it, or it can't, I shouldn't say it is. It can be challenging or it could be as easy as we make it. But if we're trying to like, if we're trying to balance the scales here, I've usually said, okay, if I'm going to despair, then that's my natural inclination to go down that dark. I mean, I can go down dark. My imagination is pretty focused and I can, one bad thing happens and I can predict the end that, you know, is me descending into. And that's the inverted consciousness of thinking about what we don't want instead of what we do want. Right. And right. so if I say, okay, well, this is my natural gut reaction. I mean, that's space. I'm spiraling about something. Let's just set the timer. I'm going to feel all that. My imagination is great. Let's imagine clearly and however I want it to be dark. And then offer the reverse. Like I owe it to myself to think as completely and as extravagantly about what the possibilities are from the situation as I have from what the negative consequences might be. And I feel like we owe that to ourselves if we're going to change. And then you start balancing the scales, you know, set the timer for a shorter time here and a longer time on the other end and see if that's not a way to do it. But some technique, you know, at least checking in with going, is this helping or not? Like that's right. It's just good for me or not. Right. And going down those rabbit holes are usually not good. <laughs> well, especially when you know that in the moment that you're spiraling, is this spiral going to help the problem that I'm in at this moment? Right. No. Or is it a soap opera? Or is it a soap opera? So, no, why don't you actually, and I'm talking to myself here, you know, make the action that's going to actually take you out of this moment. Whatever it might be, it could be something, yeah. it just could be helping somebody else and getting out of your own head um, rather than waste this moment spiraling about it. Like either take care of it or don't, but don't waste the moment. Right. So. And choosing not to engage in drama is a very high spiritual mastery. It's not always easy because we are uh, creatures of habit and, you know, interacting in society and groups. And yeah, and that's, again, that's creating what we don't want, which is not unity. It's separation. Drama creates separation, divide and conquer. Well, guess what? Every action has an equal and other reaction. It's not going to work out. It never does. It never does. It's um, self-harming because when we choose to break up groups in such ways too, sometimes that, that can be self-harming. So sometimes we just need to choose not to engage in it. Um, and, and, and that's a high mastery to no longer choose the engagement of it or needing to be right. Right. That's a huge piece that, you know, 
That takes lifetimes to master that. Yeah. That's duality, needing to be right. That's the ego. Needing yeah. to be right is huge. And you know, I, you know, they've, I, they've said that's the basic question that anybody in a long-term relationship should ask is do you want to be right or happy? And of course you want to be <laughs> I, you know, I have- Because it's both. It's always both. We're multidimensional, both. Right. I'm both not, right. Like, right. I'm going to respect the fact that I know that the way my marriage is set up, we are, you know, that personal quest for power has always been, you know, big for us individually. And so do I want to be happy? Of course, but do I need to recognize the fact that no, we pretty much both of us choose wanting to be right. Sometimes to the expense of a lot of other things, but I got to recognize it first. Like I love to be right. And yeah. everybody loves to be right. Right. That's it's that ego's thing. validation. Right. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Right. And that's that profound self-love within. It's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Sometimes it's just like, I don't, I don't need to explain it. It's okay. It's okay. If somebody doesn't think that I'm, you know, that I'm perfect. It's okay. That's it. That's that, another whole piece. It is. And this is the whole triggering thing. It's okay. Like who cares? Who cares? <laughs> somebody else thinks anything about you in any way. What do you think? Um, because if you don't, if that person is making you feel like you are not who you want to be, well, then thank that person for mm. allowing you to see this and then change it. Like if, if that, if whatever somebody thinks of you and thinks that you're not whatever or something enough, you can honestly look at it and, and say, well, if this is something that I would want to be, cause that's what they think, then, then do it or realize that's not what I want anyway. So what do I care? Like I'm secure. I can't be, I cannot be triggered if I know who I am, know thyself. I cannot be triggered. Yeah. When I'm and I think a lot of people get caught up in other people's realities of who they are, right? Other people's yes. versions of who they are is not who you are. Like it's, I I've, I've can't remember where I heard this, but um, like they don't know the whole movie. They know a tiny little speck of the movie and you're allowing them to put you in that box. It's not who you are. That's not who any of us are, that profound judgment that happens. I want to talk really quick on the principle of gender. We didn't really talk about that too much. We have in prior episodes, but I think I think the most important thing to understand about the principle of gender, and this is very ancient Egypt, and I'm not talking about fallen Egypt when I talk about Egypt, everyone. I'm talking about pre-dynastic divine love, embodiment, high frequency, ancient Egypt, um, and those teachings went down through the lineage, of course, but over time they really got skewed um, and, and weren't necessarily being held when the consciousness fell, of the collective consciousness fell. But the point of gender, and the Kabbalion says it really well, is it's not about male and female. It's not about your sex. It's about the nature of the universe is actually masculine and feminine. And it's this interaction and this dance of these energies that create our whole creation. We wouldn't have this um, reality if we didn't have that contrast. And the feminine has gotten a bad rap, I think by reading these texts too literal sometimes, by not understanding the metaphysics of it. Um, when you think of in an atom or in a battery, the positive polarity and the negative polar polarity, the negative tends to be the feminine and the positive tends to be masculine, but the feminine's not negative. It's just as equally beautiful as the masculine, which has sometimes been uh, 
really misconstrued right. <laughs> as consciousness fell and women started being suppressed. I think it's just, it's all connected. Um, these weird right. ways of viewing the feminine energy. And I think, right. And I, it's, it's because people don't really say that, right. The, the negative, again, if you're looking at hierarchical, the positive is above and the negative is below in batteries. Um, I, I think it's because people have interpreted what are expressions of states of being masculine and feminine masculine being the will the 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 imperative of the dynamic and the feminine being and again i'm not talking about a man and a woman i'm talking about masculine energy, and feminine energy. Yeah. the feminine being the creative imprint of that will that's how the world works it's not about defining and saying, oh, women are the creators and men are the, the will bearers. It is about saying that masculine energy as defined in this case is it's about- more protruding, right. It's, right. And it the is feminine is more receptive, right. right. But we have both in us, all of us. And we have both. Yeah. So we have, the, we have that which decides that something's going to happen. And then we've got the part of us that is going to be receiving to being open to creating the plan to making it happen or to the inspiration. And I think because it's, it's it, the whole idea that it becomes so sex focused, I think is just kind of the world of how misogyny has come into place. It's, it's because it's not about one being better. You need both of them to exist. The battery has to have both polarities in order to make whatever it's working work. Right. So it is a one, it is one thing. And, and the male and female bodies are just emanations of that nature and reality. And you can see it in all of nature. I mean, think about a plug, right? And this doesn't need to get sexual, but it's the same concept. It is the a same plug, concept. Plugging a plug into the wall, you have that external feature that plugs into the internal feature. It's that same concept. And the electricity doesn't happen and creation doesn't happen without them unified. Right. And a lot of the understanding of these ancient teachings out of Egypt and out of the Hermeticism is this understanding that we are um, unifying the energetics in the body of the masculine and feminine energies through the hemispheres of the brain and through the energy that comes up through the network in our chakras. So it's really, um, I, I love that, you know, this aspect is talked about in the Kabbalion because it is so Egypt. It is so that womb, that mother, that, that maternal darkness, which often gets a bad rap as evil, but it's not. And it's used to talk about evil things, darkness, which, you know, I think we're going to move by, past that very soon. Hopefully when people understand. Again, it's all judgment, like dark and light. So you still judge right. to these polarities uh, with one cannot exist without the other. That's the beauty of it all. So the judgment of these terms, masculine, feminine, dark, light, negative, and positive. Yin yang. Yeah. Yin yang. Like back to polarity again. They have to exist together. It can't yeah. exist separately. And I think when we realize that that's when, especially when we talked about polarity and some two things, you know, the two sides of the coin being the coin, like you can have one right. side and the other side. Giving the, and receiving. Yeah, right. all of it. Yeah. It's all necessary. Now, you know, I the gender thing is important because I think when we talk about the world today, what I do think the limiting discussion of it is because of our limited understanding and our limited application of this to our world of being a man or a woman and a man does this and a woman does this. Mm -hmm. But we're in a world now where those identities, by definition of our material world, are now longer becoming 
uh, are now no longer mutually exclusive or binary. So when you do talk about people who are uh, consider themselves being trans or non-binary, what you're really talking about is this space in between. The polarities exist, but guess what? So do all of these other uh, versions of these combinations of those polarities underneath it. And That's how we create. Right, it's how we create. And yeah. so it makes sense that there are going to be people that realize and wake up they're not at either end of this spectrum and that there is uh, a level that is uh, not gray, but actually richer in, uh, in um, vibrance because of it being made up of all these polarities in between, all these ideas of, you know, going inward, like you said, like the Russian doll. Yeah. Uh, to create something that is much more um, rich and robust. And the so, symbolism of the unity and the equality of masculine and feminine people on this planet is showing where we are in our consciousness, right? And as a whole humanity, as a collective consciousness, when there's true equality back, we have transcended. We have transcended and we are now in a higher state of consciousness. Um, it is that black and white. <laughs> But those are signposts that we'll know when there is that equality back again and the respect for all, the respect for all. That we're all one and that right. this is only and the races and countries and genders. Right. And yeah, right. yeah. There's no separation. That's such an illusion. We're all energy. We're all light. And we're all these beautiful, beautiful beings that forgot who we were for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, that we are both. We are both the wave and the one creating yeah, the thought form that converges the matter to create, you know, converges the light on the wave to see matter. So our consciousness is really powerful and can go well beyond the body and our understanding right. of it. And as beautiful and as, and as we, and as much as, and as beautiful as we are one as a collective, conversely, we're each as, you know, infinitesimal and yet integral, you know, as Infinitely the next huge. So, right. So, you know, we, we were talking about uh, when I was listening to these stories about awe and going out there, you know, awful, uh, inspiring moments often make us feel small. But I also realized, no, they actually it's it is happening. It's the duality or it is the it is the spectrum when I feel so small and humble. And yet in that moment, do I realize the power that I have as this unique, you know, take me out of this equation or you out? And none of this is the same. It is not what it, it is not the de definition of what it is. So we are both small and connected as well as um, unique and special in a way that we are all unique and special. You know, it's, yeah. I think that is just such a beautiful idea. That's a great way to end this. And the atom and the galaxy at the same time, and they're all so profoundly beautiful. And the humility that you are all that. I mean, that, that's, that's, really awesome and the tears that come when you feel those moments because mm -hmm. it's just so profoundly beautiful this creation and having the gratitude for it and not forgetting in the midst of all of the waves <laughs> how amazing this is rob thank you so much for doing thank this series so with me yes. i am so grateful for you and um and, you know, grace and paradox, when we can, when, when two things can be true at the same time, then we're truly multidimensional and we're truly ascending and it's okay. It's okay. 
So thank you, my dear friend, my sweet love to you, my divine love to you. And, and until, until next time. Bye.